0: This is the Endangered Species Podcast, the podcast by aspiring men for aspiring men from Phoenix, Arizona. I'm Sean Bollendorf here together with legendary rocker Logan Bonjean.
1: What's up, Logs? Rocker. I actually was in a rock band in elementary school. I know, man. I I had heard that legend. We were called Thursday Morning because that's when we practiced.
0: (laughs) That's actually pretty good, Yeah, we were
1: pretty good. We we did Bon Jovi in Boston and Led Zeppelin, all the hits.
0: You're not going to compound exponentially though, practicing once a week, I got to say.
1: Well, yeah, we did what we could do. We were elementary school students.
0: Well, man, let's get back into our series, the mountain man series. We're talking about the greatest sermon ever delivered. Jesus sat down on a mountain and gave what we now call the sermon on the Mount. Before we get into it, we got to tell our mountain man story because we're starting each one of these episodes with a mountain man story. And, uh, this one comes to you from a basin, Arapahoe Basin ski area in your home state of my, and stomping my home state. Yeah, your stopping grounds. Did you or go there a lot skiing. growing up?
1: Oh yeah, I love it. It's it's. I think you can make an argument it's the best found in Colorado from a local standpoint.
0: Yeah, it's a little small, but dude, nothing beats mid June at a basin, sixty degrees, skiing in your shorts and a wife beater. Uh it's And they dig a big, uh, pit at the bottom down by the lodge and people, and it fills up with water because the snow melts and people get skiing as fast as they can and try to glide across the top of it, which is awesome. A basin. Well, at a basin at the top of, I think it was Paula lift. I can't remember, but this was just a couple years ago. Dude is riding the lift and he goes to get off, but he's wearing a backpack. The backpack gets stuck on the chair. He's unable to get off, but he does stand up and try to get off. And, and and I think he was a skier. I can't remember if he was a skier or a snowboarder. But he tries to get off. Probably a snowboarder, let's be real. A <laughs> <laughs> couple of skiers here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his backpack wraps around his neck, no oh. less. Still attached to the place that w- it was stuck, to the chair. And the chair keeps moving. So now, instead of getting off of the chairlift, dude is hanging... Uh, from the chair by the strap on his backpack and the strap is suffocating him and he is basically dying quickly. Yeah, All kinds of bystanders are standing there going, what do we do? They stop the lift, but dude's like 20 feet in the air. No one can reach him. 10 or 12 people try to form a human pyramid, but that's not working with slick ski jackets and ski boots on. Um, I I guess somebody was going to climb the pyramid and rescue him or something. So the dude who's hanging there, it's not only the worst day of his life, it's also the best day of his life. Because within like 30 feet of all this going on, a guy named Mickey Wilson notices that he's hanging there. And Mickey Wilson is not just a tightrope walker, but a professional slackliner. Of course, his name is Mickey (laughs) Wilson. (laughs) And Mickey, I think, had a knife on him. So Mickey climbs the ladder on the tower. He walks on top of the chairlift cable out to where this guy's slack hanging. lines it he slack lines it dude <laughs> i don't unreal. he had to have taken off his boots unless probably unless he had no, snowboarding he, he boots had on have, but yeah of course he had to be a skier too right sure for the sake Surely. of the story yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey man I, I like snowboarders too me but, too. me too so he he lowers himself down onto the chair and he cuts this guy free dude falls like 20 feet not to his death to his life yeah seriously he he is about to die and he lives uh, I mean, it was like eyes rolled back in his head. I believe it. Type of time. So, today's Mountain Man story
1: Mickey Wilson. What a boss. Mickey Wilson, legend. And Sean, today we're talking about hungering and thirsting for something. Have you ever, like, give me a time, a story in your life where you've either been really, really hungry or really thirsty?
0: Oh, that's so easy, man. Summer of 1996. 96, baby. <laughs> I am... Two years before I was born. <laughs> was it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Before global warming. Yeah. Back when that wasn't a thing. I was on a jog with a friend in the country of Ukraine, believe it or not. Yeah. In the city of Kharkov, um, which grieves me to see these images of uh, bombs going off in that very city. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a friend of mine and I went on a jog in the woods in the summer. And like an idiot, I took no water. And so... My friend uh, drank a bunch of water before he left. I wasn't smart enough to even do that. So neither of us have any water. We go on this jog, which no big deal. We're going on a 30-minute jog. We don't need to bring water bottles unless we get lost, which we do. So I don't know how you get lost going for a jog in a city of, I think it was a city of over a million at the time. We go running out into the woods. We get turned around somehow. We can't see a single building. From the city there are no villages around we're just on paths neither one of us speaks any ukrainian or russian and so we crossed a, a few people you know and we're like trying to say hey water where's water you know because i was starting to get thirsty and people are looking at us like you know you're an idiot and they just speed up their walks and after a while we didn't even see any people anymore we end up on this old dusty road with zero traffic i don't mean one car i mean zero and dude, I'm starting to get worried because I am super thirsty. Even though we've been running now for about 50 minutes, I have no sweat on my skin, I don't know. which means extreme dehydration. Your mm-hmm. body stops sweating, right? So I know that and I'm starting to worry. I'm looking around for any kind of uh, small creek or puddle. I didn't care. Like where is water? Yeah. Well, about another 30 minutes passed by, dude. Jeez. And we're not running anymore. We're walking. Yeah. And I remember looking out over the horizon and this truck is driving up on this dirt road and I am thinking salvation. Yes. I'm getting oh. in front of this truck. I don't care if they speak English or not. Yeah. I'm going to get in front of this truck and just give them the like the drinking like you know, hold a fake water bottle in my hand and they're going to give me some water. Anyway, The truck approaches and I see in the back of the truck, it is loaded with watermelons. Oh. And I'm just like, Lord, Lord, you answer prayers. (laughs) This is incredible. Yes. So this truck keeps rolling closer and closer to us. And as it gets closer and closer to us, there's a guy standing in the back of the truck. I notice he reaches down, picks up a watermelon, reaches it over his head and throws it at me. No
1: way. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And I'm standing there and I'm so tired and so thirsty. All I can do is open my mouth. I don't raise my hands. Oh, no. I just open my mouth. And just before the watermelon hits me literally in the head, in the face, it disappears. I'd imagine the whole thing.
1: No way. You were like hallucinating? I was going delirious. Oh, my gosh.
0: That's how thirsty I was. So I turned to my buddy. I'm like, dude, I'm in trouble. And I told him a story I just told you. And he goes, we've got to get water. Well, we keep walking. We walk probably another thirty minutes toward where the, the quote truck had come from. Right, the fake truck. We get over that ridge, and dude, we can see the city. Wow! But it's 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 a few miles off. Yeah. And I'm I'm still worried because I'm super thirsty. Well, we keep walking. We keep walking. Finally, I do see a puddle on the ground, and I go, "Dude, I'm drinking out of that." And he goes, "Bro, you cannot drink out of that because we look down and there's all those little rainbows that come from yeah, motor oil. oil." Yeah. I don't care. No way. I get on all fours. That's how... I mean, dude, I was seriously fearing for my life. I was desperate. I get down on all all fours. I try to avoid the oil slicks. (laughs) The rainbow. (laughs) And I just chug water and mud Uh, and whatever else. Did you get sick? It was the most satisfying drink of water I'd (laughs) ever had. I had horrible diarrhea for six days I was after gonna that. say there's there's <laughs> no way you didn't get sick from that. <laughs> and literally we come around the next corner and there's like um this public well there are people of course. selling water bottles like literally we were like 200 yards from that's clean how, filtered goes, though, water isn't it
1: <laughs> that is an awesome thirsty story I panicked a little
0: too early yeah. but dude uh, if anyone ever asked me as you did have you ever experienced extreme thirst?
1: I have. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, we're we're talking about that today. We're talking about seriously hungering and thirsting for something. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So we're going to build on the last few weeks, man, the desire of a man who is poor in spirit, who mourns their sin and who drinks the meek shake, like we talked about last week, who pursues meekness. Their desire is righteousness. Their hunger, their thirst is righteousness.
0: And I love what Tim Keller says about really all of the Beatitudes. He says, we have to remember that happiness or blessedness can't be gotten directly. It's only a byproduct of seeking other things, i.e. meekness, i.e. righteousness, seeking those things more than your personal happiness. Yeah, it's
1: interesting. He's saying like you can't, get blessedness or happiness by seeking happiness you got to seek something else and that becomes a byproduct
0: yeah in fact if you seek happiness for happiness sake or if you seek happiness by trying to find happiness it's elusive it's it's water that falls through your fingers it it rots in your hands
1: yeah and so for the sake of our conversation today what a g by the way tim keller dude he's a legend (laughs) i love tim keller yeah so for the sake of our conversation today like um, Keller is talking about happiness can't be gotten directly. It's only a byproduct of seeking other things like righteousness more than your personal happiness. And so we're going to drill in on righteousness today. And um, as by, we, by
0: the way, what is that? What is righteousness?
1: Yeah. So righteousness, there, there's really two forms of righteousness. One is is actual like doctrine. It's the doctrine of the state of approval from God. It's basically right standing with God. But then there's also a form of righteousness that deals with integrity and virtue and purity and uh, the correct way of thinking and feeling and acting. And this verse in Matthew 5, 6 is specifically speaking of that second definition of righteousness. It's it's saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for integrity, for purity, for correct thinking, feeling, acting. It's action-centered. It's how you live your faith. It's um, like we've talked about a handful of times. It's how you operate as a kingdom citizen.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. There, there is the teaching out there that started probably, I don't know when it started, 20 years ago, that said anytime you see righteousness in the Bible, it's talking about positional righteousness. You know, that it's just talking about, hey, Jesus died for our sins. Uh, his death was enough. He rose again. Obviously, his death was enough to make yeah. us positionally righteous. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make the actions you take, everything you do, every word you say righteous, just because you have put your faith in Christ. Yeah. Right? There's... Positional righteousness, and then there's righteous living, and I agree with you here in matthew five six Jesus was talking about righteous living to put it in layman's terms, which I mean, I changed my own oil for a lot of years. I'm not a Theo bro <laughs> I got <laughs> no have it. bros here. I gotta have it simple man and and for me, when I think of righteousness, I just think of
1: doing the right thing,
0: yeah, doing things rightly, and I would even add for the right reasons,
1: yeah. Yeah, we're gonna drill into that more a little later on, but Sean, I think first off we got to address the fact that I think all of us hunger and thirst for something or some things. There, are, there are thirst traps everywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love, I love this quote from Spurgeon. He says, "We hunger and thirst after righteousness. Uh, we don't hunger and thirst uh, that our own political party may gain power, but we hunger and thirst that righteousness may be done in the land. We don't hunger and thirst that our own opinions may come to the front." Uh, or that our own sector denomination may increase in numbers and influence. But we do desire that righteousness may come to the forefront. Um, So, I mean, I I think I watch men all around me and I even see this in my own life, hunger and thirst for money, for status, for power, for popularity, for sex, for attention, for material things, for happiness, like we talked about, for fulfillment, even for trivial, more trivial things like sports. Like that's me. I'm like, dude, I hunger and thirst for sports sometimes. And, um, we see all of these desires going into all of these different things that aren't necessarily righteousness.
0: Dude, that quote is unreal. Charles Spurgeon. Are are you sure that's not like some descendant of Charles Spurgeon that lives today? Because that quote could be directly airbrushed over our culture, all the noise all the arguing on social media, everybody justifying themselves, everybody hiding behind a keyboard, but shouting loudly about their cause and essentially self-declaring righteousness Mm -hmm. is everywhere. Yeah,
1: hungering and thirsting for all kinds of things that a lot of times divide us and and that cause us to be at each other's necks. Yeah, I agree with you. It's a, it was a prophetic statement from him.
0: But I do love that question, Logs. What do I hunger for? What do I thirst for? You mentioned sports, power, money, status. It begs the question of me, you know, do I look forward more to watching the masters or to seeing righteousness fulfilled in the world? Do I really think I'm going to be satisfied and and filled by these other things, you know, nothing wrong with enjoying the masters, but man, if I'm looking to that, to be my cup filler
1: on the rag. No. Yeah. Going to be disappointed. Yeah. I think of Jeremiah too, and we, we pour ourselves into broken cisterns, which ultimately leak out and, um, become empty. And we eat bread that doesn't satisfy us that ultimately we're going to be hungry again.
0: Yeah. I love the old C.S. Lewis quote. He said, if I find in myself a desire, which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Oh,
1: I love that so much. And that that desire, which this world can't satisfy, in in our conversation, is the righteousness of God.
0: Dude, I even think about just the power grab that this world can be, just the the lust in my own heart for more, mm-hmm. for more whatever. Yeah, you name it. More credit, more status, more money, more friends, more popularity more encouragement, more people building me up, more people telling me I'm great. You know, it's like, yeah. When is it enough? And ultimately, it's the guy who who does the righteousness grab instead of the power grab mm. that's fulfilled.
1: That's good. Yeah, I love I love the way John Piper puts it. He says, "The hunger and the thirst of your life that can't be satisfied by anything in this world is the constant beckoning of God to remember" that you were made for another world, you were made for God.
0: There's like C.S. Lewis 2.0 right there. Man, I do think 200 years from now, people will still be reading C.S. Lewis, and they'll still be reading John Piper. They will,
1: no doubt. But I think I even think of Psalm 42, verse 2 as well. The psalmist says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go to meet with God? I think we see that in Matthew 5, in the Psalms, that this isn't a passive desire it's an active seeking after righteousness it's an active it's an active seeking after God and it, I think it's the same kind of active desire we see in Matthew 6:33 where we're told to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness above everything else and trust that everything else will come from that I'm kind of scared to
0: go through Matthew, the rest of Matthew 5, 6, and 7 because Jesus says over and over the kingdom of heaven is like uh, in the Gospels. And in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he describes kingdom living. Yeah, He says, here's what you do. Well, dude, a lot of stuff in there is really, really
1: hard to do. It's a high calling. It's not this ambiguous like righteousness that you get to define for yourself. I love how you mentioned that God's word is true north for righteousness, that it is the plumb line. Um, makes me think of Jesus's statement in John 14. He says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. So the way to loving, satisfying, fulfilling relationship with God is through um, pursuing righteousness. And that righteousness is found in God's word. But Sean, you mentioned earlier, righteousness isn't just doing right. It's also doing right for the right reasons. What makes you say that?
0: Well, I do think there are a lot of righteous causes and righteous actions in the world today, whether you're, you know, against Putin's invasion of uh, Ukraine or.
1: Or maybe you're serving at your local food bank. Maybe you're helping teen moms in your city, like actually stabilize and um, figure out how to do life, like all great things,
0: all righteous things, all righteous things. But if you're doing those things and while you're doing those things, you're angry all the time because the the whole rest of the world doesn't care about your cause
1: or because everybody else is wrong in your right. Or if you're doing all those things so that you can snap a picture and post it to social media so that everybody else sees you doing righteous things.
0: Are you blessed and happy in the end? No, mm-hmm. because it's
1: doing right for the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes me think of what Jesus says to the Pharisees uh, as we move forward in Matthew 5. He says that our righteousness, like kingdom people, must exceed. That of the Pharisees, and you might be thinking, "What that? That's wild!" Like the Pharisees went through every effort to be righteous, like for their entire lives, to set themselves apart. But I think what Jesus is riffing on is that the Pharisees were doing the right things, maybe in general, but they also did the right things for the wrong reasons, and they went past these commands that Jesus set up and um, went further and beyond them, which actually ended up getting them in trouble. Um, they they turned they turned what they were attempting to seek in righteousness into a a kind of distorted, warped self-righteousness.
0: Oh, and and I think Jesus essentially said that was the worst kind of righteousness. Yeah. You're showing mercy to other people for the sake of being credited for being a merciful person.
1: Yeah. Right? It's a warped Uh, desire, yeah.
0: Righteousness is showing mercy to other people. It's also being pure in heart before God who alone can see the heart.
1: Yeah, like you said, it's doing the right things for the right reasons. Like that, both of those things matter so hugely. I think as we kind of land the plane here, um, David Guzik talks about four ways that we can express this desire for righteousness. Um, He he says that a man longs to have a righteous nature, meaning that we should long to have integrity and virtue and purity and correct thought, action, feeling in our life. A man also longs to be sanctified, meaning that we should long to be made more holy, to be continually growing in all of these things in this righteousness. He also says a man longs to continue in righteousness, meaning that this isn't just like a, I'm, I'm going to be righteous this week and then probably not again. It's like, no, this continues throughout your entire life. And he also says that a man longs to see righteousness promoted in the world. So like you touched on, Sean, like it's not just an in, a desire for individual righteousness in your own life. It's also a desire to see integrity, purity, um, correctness in, in the eyes of God happen in the world. And Sean, as we close, um, let's, let's hit some practicals like we always like to do. And how can listeners, how can we practically hunger and thirst for this righteousness that we've been talking about?
0: Man, that's a great question. The first thing that comes to my mind would be to study Matthew five through seven. Matthew five through seven is all about righteous living. Yeah. The whole sermon on the Mount. Yeah. How do I know what, um, righteousness even is, I become a mountain man. Yeah, Matthew 5-7. through seven. I read the Sermon on the Mount, and I would say it this simply, read it and do it. Mm. In the power of the Spirit, yeah. Christian life can't be lived in in our own fleshly strength, we know that. It's an I-can't religion, not an I-can religion. Yeah. Um, but in the power of the Spirit, just read it line by line and try to do it, try to live it out, Line by line, Jesus said in John thirteen, "Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them." Another action item that comes to my mind when you talk about how to hunger and thirst for righteousness is to take note of your thirst throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Maybe even write them down. What what do you find yourself wanting? What do you find yourself thirsting for, hungering for? For me, Mascadores Taco Shop, yes, Phoenix, Arizona. Let's go, <laughs> the best. Shout out, I love shout out that Mascadores. place. I love that place, man. I I thirst for a, for a burrito there. Uh, I thirst for a good, uh, lift in the weight room or a mountain bike ride or, uh, a nice little hoop session or something like that. Those aren't wrong things to desire or to, you know, pursue or whatever, but to, to thirst with the desperate thirst that I felt in Ukraine that summer it's only righteousness that will satisfy. It's only righteousness that will fulfill. So I think it's important to take note of our thirsts because those were probably neutral thirsts, the ones that I mentioned, but what if your thirsts are self-glorification,
1: mm-hmm. attention. Temporary sinful pleasure. Yeah. Just $1 more greed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, so you're saying take note of those thirsts, whether they're neutral or even outright bad and fill them with righteousness?
0: Man, I don't think most of us, myself included, are self-aware enough. I don't think we reflect enough. I don't think we realize how we come across. I know I don't. I've had people tell me you know, after conversations, hey, do you realize you were kind of power playing right there? And I'm like, no, I didn't know that at all. And so I think it's important when it comes to this area of righteousness and thirst to reflect on, even when I am thirsting for righteousness in a situation... What are my motives? Why am I wanting this? I, I, I heard a counselor once say um, that we ought to ask, "What's in that?" Mm, yeah. What What's behind that?
1: Yeah, and we've talked before about how humility is having an accurate view of yourself. Like Paul talks about having an accurate view of your thoughts and actions and feelings and just who you are, the way you operate.
0: How about you, man? Any ideas for how to hunger and thirst for righteousness?
1: Yeah, man. I think kind of a note of in the same vein of taking note of your thirst throughout the day. I think it's important to take note of the way you respond to unrighteousness around you and even within you. Like, I think taking note of how you respond to unrighteous things going on in the world. Like, does does that flare up a uh, feeling in you of this is not how it's supposed to be? Like, it, it should not be this way. Does it even give you almost like a righteous anger in in some senses?
0: Yeah, and um, I guess what I'm trying to say with all the social media rant stuff is. I do feel like there are people who are enraged about unrighteousness around the world, rightfully so, but don't care at all about the unrighteousness in their own hearts. Mm, Yeah. And that's a challenge to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like that's, that's, and that's why as you take note of your response to the unrighteousness in the world around you, you also need to take note of the unrighteousness in you to, like we even talked about last week to ask God to search you, know you and reveal your sin to you. Um, I also think a really, really important one is to start assessing yourself through the lens of character rather than your accomplishments. So would you describe yourself as someone who hungers for righteousness? Like when you look at your life, do you honestly see integrity or virtue or purity or correct thought, feeling, acting? Um, Start assessing yourself. And this is a challenge to me. Like I need to stop assessing myself through the things that I've accomplished and start assessing myself through what is my character? Like Who am I? What is my substance? What is my being?
0: Yeah. There's a guy that I invest in real estate with and I spent some time with him a couple months ago, I was really looking forward to getting the truck. We were going to drive for about an hour and look at some real estate. And this guy's an insurance. He's a believer. He loves the Lord. And I was slapped in the face that day, Will Smith style, by a conversation that happened while we were uh, in that truck, because the first probably 30 minutes of that truck ride, he wanted to talk about guys that he was trying to win to Christ. He wanted to talk about what's the best way to have this certain conversation in a godly way. I jumped in that truck ready to talk about real estate. Yeah. And he jumped in that truck ready to talk about the kingdom playing out in the world. Mm. And that stuck with me, that struck me. I look at that guy and I go, here's a man who hungers and thirsts for righteousness to the degree that it just overflows into his speech.
1: For men like that, for the men who really desire who hunger who thirst for who actively pursue righteousness we read that they will be the niv uses the word filled the esv uses the word satisfied um man i think what's cool about this is it's kind of a paradox like the this provision uh, in response to genuinely desiring righteousness it fills us it satisfies us but it also keeps us longing for more like we're never going to be fully satisfied and filled this side of eternity it's, it's this weird like, yes, I'm satisfied as I as I hunger and thirst for righteousness. And also the more I'm satisfied by it, the more I want, like the more I long for that. Which talk about, there's, there's the unrighteous version of just one more dollar. There's the unrighteous version of it's never enough, like just a little bit more. But when you replace career success and money with righteousness, with the righteousness of God, that is a good desire. And that is a good scenario to find yourself in of I can't get enough of God's righteousness.
0: As we land the plane, I want to bring us full circle. I love everything you're saying logs. I want to come back to Tim Keller who said, man, if you want to be fulfilled, don't seek fulfillment. If you want to be satisfied, don't seek satisfaction. Seek righteousness, (laughs) right? All throughout the Sermon on the Mount. Don't seek the happiness or the blessedness. Seek to be merciful, seek to be meek. And in this case, seek to hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's so interesting how that works, man. That if I completely focus on fulfilling myself or uh, filling up myself, I'm left as a broken cistern. The fulfillment leaks out quickly through the cracks. Uh, But if I think of others, serve others, engage in righteous causes, not for self glorification or a selfie, (laughs) but I do it truly for the glory of God and to deflect. Uh, attention to him and others. That is when I end up satisfied. That is when I end up fulfilled. I love that. And so, and so it happens. It comes full circle. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I I would say because they don't hunger and thirst for happiness.
1: Mm, Yeah, that's good. And ultimately they're going to be satisfied.
0: All right, guys, man, love you. Appreciate you. And man, let's grow the herd. Let's strengthen the herd. Let's disciple other men into these mountain man traits. We need more spirit-filled Christ-like men out on the prairie of life.